Hello and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners and Maine residents and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski. And I am Kimberly Regalinski. And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a local magazine that helps showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can learn more about us at keepitlocalmaine.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram through the links in the show notes. In this episode, we'll be talking with Maine singer, songwriter, and producer Dave Gutter. Dave is the longtime lead singer and guitarist of Maine's own Rustic Overtones and has been involved and collaborated with several other local bands as well, including Paranoid Social Club, Armies, and The Humans with Spose. He has also been working outside of Maine as a songwriter with the likes of guitarist Eric Krasno, whom he worked with as a co-producer on Aaron Neville's 2016 album Apache. In 2021, Dave released his first solo project called I've Been Here a While, which is available on all streaming platforms now. Welcome to the show, Dave. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Super excited to talk talk to you. Thanks. I'm, I'm psyched that you're having me on the show. This is awesome. So tell us. Um, so the new EP, by the way, sounds phenomenal. People get out there and buy it. You've been playing in bands and writing songs for most of your life. Why did you choose to release a solo project now? Uh, well, I, I wrote something, uh, you know, during the pandemic uh, when we couldn't play with others. Mm-hmm. And it was also a it was a, it's a concept record about me getting older. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not that this stuff in the past with Rustic or Paranoid or anything has been not personal, but I felt like it was something that would be most earnest if I went through it by myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if I kind of express this, um, this feeling that is, you know, just it's a universal uh, feeling, but mm-hmm. it's something mm-hmm. that I was feeling personally at the time. And I just wanted to do it by myself. I came up with a concept when I had COVID-19 um, and I was locked in my daughter's bedroom uh, in quarantine. And I just came mm-hmm. up with a whole idea for everything, basically because, you know, I was kind of faced with my mortality. Um, mm. And I just wanted to write something about my life and my journey. And I, and as a, as a musician and as a, as a human, and I also uh, wanted it to be very, very, honest and I wanted it to be self-deprecating and I didn't want to drag a bunch of uh, my friends besides for Ben, of course, uh, <laughs> and a couple others. But yeah, I wanted to, to do it by myself. I wanted to, to really be my uh, my voice expressing these. And I just thought it would just come off differently and, and hit differently if I it was something I did by myself and, and produced by myself and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the rawness of it and the just that that realness. And so, what what was the inspiration for "I've Been Here a While"? Well, the the album initially, one of the the concepts I came up with first was the the song um, "The Poet," mm-hmm. uh, which the hook is like, "I wasn't meant for this era," and it's like mm-hmm. this thing where, where you're, you know, often musicians are like, "Man, like if I was alive back when the Beatles were around." I would- <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, you know, um, yeah. which might not be the case, but you feel like that. You have that feeling. So I started picturing um, this like super way back, like Shakespeare type character or like a poet. Uh, I always mm. think about like, is poet even a job anymore? Can you even be a poet? Uh, I don't know if you can. So it was called the new classical because I had this like, you know, Beethoven grandiose kind of thought. Uh, and then my mm-hmm. daughter was like, oh, you ought to make it something like less serious than the new classical. That's too like epic. Like name it something <laughs> like, 
uh, I've been here a while. And wow, that was the title. Like she always does that. She always like, I'll be contemplating something for hours and days. And then she'll just put it to me like, why don't you wow. just keep it simple and say something like this? So I really liked I've been here a while. I think that it has a lot of different connotations uh, as far as, you know, I flex a little bit like lyrically on this more than some of my other mm -hmm. stuff. So I thought that it would kind of be like the connotation would be both that I'm old, but that I also I have experience um, and that I've been here a while and and to try to come across as a pro, even in my most, uh, you know, self-deprecating moments. I love that. Yeah, and I love that. And careful with the old stuff because I think we're all just oh, about the same geez. age. So let's let's go yeah. easy on that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, your daughter she's that's a girl with some wisdom right there. Yeah, well, the the thing I liked about the the old thing uh, is that I wanted to like get out in front of it in like a good way. Like I really am tired. I see friends of mine that you know I see them in person. And they're a mess. They look horrible, just like I do. But I see them on social media, <laughs> and they're like glistening, and their faces. <laughs> and you know, I I just wanted to like. I, I think there's a backlash to all that uh, yeah. fake perfection and perception mm. of uh, someone's identity. And I think that mm -hmm. we're entering a time where I I think that wearing your heart on your sleeve and like all your organs really on the outside mm. and being very transparent about who mm -hmm. you are, you know, where I came up in music, it was very polished and everyone looked perfect and they sounded perfect in their video, uh, just made them in this light that was just otherworldly and bigger than life. But now I think it's going towards something a little bit more honest. And I was like, oh, what a weight off my shoulders. I can just mm. reveal the real me and people will respect me for it. And I was hoping that would happen. And it did. Uh, so mm. I think that, you know, just showing your true self is is the right way. And, and to all the people that are kind of like out there faking it, um, I wanted to be a, a big contrast to mm. anyone who's really, you know, uh, polishing themselves and, and only putting forward a very produced look or sound. Mm -hmm. mm. So I wanted to do something that was bare bones and stripped away and, and kind of like, you know, like a breath of fresh air compared to what we see from day to day. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. There's like so many quotes that I need to grab and so many nuggets of wisdom in that. <laughs> I'm just thinking like all the quotes that you just said through my just thinking about this through my head. That's that's good. That's good stuff. I'm just thinking that people ought to have the courtesy to look like crap in, in social media as well as they do in real life. That would just a lot of pressure off the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> right. The whole, the whole end of the video was not even supposed to be she just had the camera going while I was like getting out of all the pie and the blood and all the eggs and everything that had been thrown at me. If you haven't seen the video, there's a part where I get tarred and feathered. And um, <laughs> so I'm cleaning all that stuff off and I'm like, not even my best boxer shorts. And <laughs> when I was editing it. That was like the final thing. I'm just like, you know what? The end of it's just going to be me uh, with my chicken legs out with my... <laughs> old boxer shorts and I'm just going to just go with it. And um, the I fact that it. people liked it really, like, really encouraged me to do more of that stuff. So I think there might be some full frontal in my next. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think you've earned it at this point. If that's what you want to do, you know, just do it. I feel like people are, are attracted to imperfection. I know I'm attracted to imperfection. I'm not attracted to people that have that perfect persona, but. Well, that explains our entire marriage. Yeah, Thank you. I appreciate you know. that. <laughs> 
but I think people are attracted to that. They want more of that. I, th- I agree with what you said. Absolutely. We, it's, it's, it's time for a change. Yeah. And, and also like cinematically, I was, I was very inspired by, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bo Burnham and, and inside that he made, mm-hmm. it's basically like a music thing, but it's like a comedy thing, but, uh, he did it all in quarantine and, oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. really like oh. the, the mental breakdown Mm. of someone just doing something by themselves and not mm-hmm. having any and just kind of making art into a void and not mm. knowing what uh you know is is happening I liked that and I thought that that was that was the best thing about the Bo Burnham thing was watching him just kind of cave in mm. on camera so you know to a smaller extent um I wanted to do something like that and and so this is part of like a series that I'm going to do. Uh, so I'm going to do, awesome. you know, other uh, albums about basically like universal fears, like things that mm. everyone is at some point going to confront or mm-hmm. something that everyone feels. And so I started with getting old, but I'm going to do all kinds of stuff about, you know, like body mm. image and insecurity and popularity. And uh, mm. I love it. You know. So how would you describe your musical upbringing, uh, influences and events that shaped uh, who you are now as a singer, a musician or a songwriter? When I was like eight years old, my parents, for some reason, I don't know why, because they don't even like like jazz music. But I think just to give me something to do, they they gave me jazz drum lessons from when I was like eight until I was like 10 or 11. Um, hmm. And that's when I started playing the guitar. Um, when I started playing the guitar, I was very much like metalhead, mm-hmm. like Randy Rhodes. Ozzy Osbourne's guitar player was like my favorite guitar player Mm. and Mm -hmm. so I just like shredded like heavy metal then I got into punk music um the Clash and the Ramones Sex Pistols a lot of the British stuff I was a huge huge fan of that and then kind of like the that rebellious vibe led me to hip-hop um and even you know reggae um ska music so that was kind of like my journey and then as a singer I kind of like ended up being the singer by default when our regular singer didn't show up for a gig. So I just sang that gig and started singing from there on. Wow. So I I don't know if that answers your question, but I started off very much about the guitar. And then as soon as I became a singer, I kind of like denounced the guitar and was just (laughs) like, like I'm a songwriter, you know what I mean? And the Mm -hmm. guitar is just my vehicle to write songs. Um, but now I, I like enjoy both and I'm still learning, which is, I think, important uh, when you've mm. done music for a long time. You can't rehash the same things that you know. You can't pull out the same tricks. Mm-hmm. You have to continue learning. So that yeah. progression is still very much a thing uh, like right now. Yeah. And I think it's difficult to do that. You you have to deliberately make space and and do that to, to continue to learn because it is very easy just to kind of sit in like, OK, well, I know this thing now. And uh, there was a story you told on Eric Krasno's podcast, which not to promote another podcast on our podcast, but it was, <laughs> it was a really great interview. Oh, thanks. Where you talked about how he sat you down and was playing, uh, I forget what song it was, and it was like, okay, this is how Aretha Franklin would sound if she sang it, and this and that. And you then talked about how that changed how you approached guitar and playing. Yeah, it did. Um, like the, the nuance is something... Um, that's the, the only thing I blame punk rock for, although I believe that it, it is part of my character and my personality, but is like, I'm an only child, hear me roar, like I'm in front, put the light on me, give me the microphone. Um, mm. And 
punk rock is very much like everyone's standing out, everyone's mm. doing whatever. Um, so the thing that, you know, that lesson and also just listening to music has taught me to really like dial it back uh, to like the nuance of music. Then when I need that, you know, that extra gear, I can go there and it's more effective than if I'm just mm. there all the time. If it's, yeah. you know, if it's epic all the time, then it's never epic. So, mm. mm-hmm. So to kind of dovetail into that, so what is your songwriting process and how has it changed and evolved through the years? I have a bunch of different processes to avoid getting writer's block. I have, you know, like 10 different ways that I go about writing a song. And if one doesn't work that day, then I go to the next. Sometimes it's writing lyrics just as like poetry without um, Hmm. any music at all. And then later on, I kind of think of, all right, this is the dialogue. What's the soundtrack to this dialogue to, to make you know, it all connect? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sometimes I just write music and then I have the soundtrack. Then I'm like, all right, well, what is this? What is this music? Is this about a sunny day? Is this about love, like lost mm-hmm. or, you know, like whatever? Um, and it doesn't have to be like those cliche things, but mm-hmm. you know, you can go to those places uh, for a start. It is, I think, starting writing a song is the main thing. You just have to mm-hmm. get started. Mm-hmm. And most of my writing is crossing out. I'll write like fifty or sixty lines that I like uh, mm-hmm. that are kind of about a similar thing or a similar uh, experience or feeling, and then. I'll end up crossing out all of them except for like one or two lines. And I'll be like, I love those two lines. Wow. But mm-hmm. the other ones got me there, you know? Um, so right. really just writing is an exercise uh, w- when it comes to words and for music, just listening to lots of music, you know, whenever I hear a song that I really like, whether it be the production that really stands out to me or, you know, the changes or the feel listening to music really inspires me to make music uh, and to explore production stuff. I feel like every chord progression has happened before. So now what we have is unique ways of presenting those chord progressions through cool production and weird sounds and mm. maybe, you know, like juxtaposing things that you wouldn't expect together or things that aren't supposed to go together. So all that hmm. stuff is fun. And I just, I come into my studio. It's like a, it's more like an opium den than a studio. Uh, <laughs> We don't have any opium, but it's just it's just a creative place that yeah. we come and there's instruments everywhere and musicians pop in and out. And yeah. we basically are just sometimes we'll sit down at the piano. Sometimes we'll sit down at the drums. It doesn't matter um, what the instrument mm-hmm. is, just going to something and just being creative and using your imagination. Mm, nice. And nobody leaves for days at a time. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is is my full-time gig. And right now, like, I'm not even really gigging out, like, doing shows. So I've just been at the studio every day. Like, the amount of writing and work that I've done over the last two years since the pandemic starts, there's a lot of stuff. There's entire albums worth of stuff that Mm. I've forgotten Mm -hmm. that I did um, just because I come in every day. And and it's kind of a fun spot to be in um i'm not you know necessarily hating on the quarantine it's it's mm-hmm. been kind of good for me as a writer uh to look mm. inward um and there was a spot at the beginning of the quarantine with all the tragedy and everything that was happening all the changes to our lives socially uh mm-hmm. it was almost too much to talk about yeah uh, and then after about a year 
it was like, okay, I can, I got lots to talk about. I know what to talk about, but you know, I'm, I'm very much a sponge. I listen to people. I eavesdrop to people's conversations and I'll hear a line that someone will say that they don't even think of as a line in a song, mm. but they'll mm. say it mm-hmm. to their friend or something. And yes. uh, I'll just write little things down, but no writer's block, never writer's block. It's always writer overload. It's always nice. Word. Yeah, I'm excited for the whole the whole concept and that idea of your just the series and just those things that you're going to tackle. Um, mm. Definitely excited about that. Yeah. So another thing is that you work with a lot of different artists, both as a co-writer or producer. Uh, how has that changed your approach to music? And, you know, obviously this now being a full-time gig for you, I mean, is it more of a business to you or is it, or is it still a good degree of kind of play with it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a business. I mean, a lot of these writing things you go into organically they're through friends or they're through a friend of a friend like even if it's someone like really huge you know like Aaron Neville that was through Kraz but so you don't go in with with a business mindset at all Mm -hmm. and it's not usually like I'm out there being like hey I'm a songwriter check me out it's just like someone's like I was in the studio with this guy he's really good we should get him on the session Mm. so it's usually like that so there's no business at all and um it's really just cool for me. I think that the culmination of my experience writing for other people was I've been here a while because mm. of the way that I stood back and scratched my chin and looked at, you know, Aaron Neville, like a great soul singer or, you know, I worked with Bowie and you just kind of look, you step back and you look, you don't think about the song anymore. You look at this person and this enigma, mm. this character and you're like, What's coming out of this person's mouth? This is your character. This is this is SpongeBob. What's something SpongeBob would say? And you write a song like that. You like say, this is Aaron Neville. What's the type of thing Aaron Neville would say? What would you want him to say? What would make mm. you have goosebumps if he said something mm. like this or if he went there musically? So that like outer body experience writing like for other people was cool because then I kind of just like – as lame as it is, you're just kind of like, well, this is who I am. These are my strengths and these are my limitations. And let's lean into what we can do and what people want you to do. So it's weird because I, you know, very much writing for myself, but with with a universal thought. Mm-hmm. Um, often I like to sing from like an, an anthemic standpoint. So instead of, uh, you know, there's all the these little word games that I love, like, they're almost like crossword puzzles or like scramble mm-hmm. words or something. But, you know, like we, if I sing a song and I say we blank, then we're all doing this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if I say you, then as a listener, you're, it's like, well, this person's like pointing a finger at me and they're, they're saying something to me. Mm-hmm. But it can be almost judgy or preachy if you use you unless it's a, you know, individual, like a relationship thing, like you broke my heart or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that I, you know, I've been here a while is very much from you. You're talking about yourself. This is you putting yourself out there. So that's the hardest kind of writing is the writing Mm -hmm. where you're like, I am this Hmm. or I do this or this represents me. So Hmm. uh, I've been exploring that stuff. And I think the solo record, the reason why it was time for a solo record is because I've never done anything by myself. I've Hmm. always collaborated with people and always had that that little buzz of like picking up each other's vibes. So then when I was just in a room by myself, it's like, all right, you're the writer and you're the the subject and Mm -hmm. go. 
And I was yeah. like, damn, I'm in a bathrobe and I'm, I'm blowing my nose and I get a fever and I look terrible. And then I wrote a record like that. <laughs> so. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. A, that's a real vulnerable spot yeah. to, to start from. Yeah. yeah. So how do you feel that living and growing up in Maine has shaped you as an artist and a performer? Um, well, in good and bad ways, mm-hmm. uh, I have been whether it's the perspective of people from here or not in the grand scheme of of music i have always been the underdog or always been a little bit outside of the industry you know we signed with clive davis there's huge things that happen but for the most part it's just little events like that that happen and you get it you get a shot and whatever happens but it you know does it make you rich does it make you famous but maine keeps you grounded Mm. Um, and you can always write and it's quiet and there's the seasons, uh, which mm-hmm. the seasons to me are very important uh, because I write different ways in different seasons and I get into these zones that I've been mm-hmm. used to because I've been writing through these seasons for 30 years. Right. So like it's like when fall comes. I know what I'm about to get into. I'm going to start doing, you know, like some introspective writing or whatever. In summertime, it's going to be like light. We're going to try to make stuff for people to dance to and stuff that is celebratory. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think Maine has been really important to my growth as an artist, Mm -hmm. not necessarily my growth as a business. Mm -hmm. You know, I've kept the lights on for a while, but, you know, it's we're just like these seasonal uh, restaurants or uh, stores in Portland. We have our seasons where we we hit, we get a chance, and we do something, and then it's quiet. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that that elevates mostly, you know, Portland, but the surrounding areas in Portland. Um, it elevates the scene to just have that like go and then stop and and reflect and get your business back together, get your yeah. regroup. Oh, that's great. So when you have those regroup times, I mean, do you kind of have specific things you do? Do you read a lot? Are you just only listening to music or is there something specific that you kind of go to? I listen to lots of really, really gangster rap on YouTube, like really bad quality MP3s. <laughs> stuff stuff off of limewire i'm guessing well no just like youtube like mixtapes like you know dat piff mixtapes and and yeah um, stuff that is is kind of like uh storytelling Mm -hmm. Uh, i listen to a lot of that stuff and pretty much anything that's very storytelling or instrumental so all the words are none (laughs) but um (laughs) you know like folk music i love folk music I listen to pop music, but mostly just as a reference. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never, I'm never really like touched by music with like a pop song ever. But mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate a good pop song, and mm-hmm. you know, I think I could write a good pop song. Yeah, but like you know, hip hop music uh, because there's more lyrics on like a hip hop mixtape than there are like five Bob Dylan records. Just like the amount, the not necessarily quality, but the quantity. There mm-hmm. is so much more and there's so many more patterns. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I study a lot of that. I'm a big, big hip hop fan. I'm also a big horror movie fan. And I think that if you looked close and you are also a horror movie fan and uh, you are a fan of, you know, the, the music that I've worked on and, and written for other people, you can find all these little gems in there. Like I have I use lines from horror movies in songs. I have songs that are titled after horror movies. I have characters in songs that are from uh, mm-hmm. horror movies that I love. And a lot of people don't actually know those huh. little 
Easter eggs that I put through all my my stuff. Now I'm gonna have to go back and look. Not yeah. that I have a great frame of reference because I'm not yeah. a I'm not really a horror guy, but I'll I'll go back and look anyways, just because yeah. I've got time. That's interesting. <laughs> so, what do you say is uh is the most valuable lesson you've learned in the last year, either business, music, or personally? Ah, uh, it's just be happy. Hmm. It's just be happy. Like my, I have a 15 year old daughter, and she's like looking at her future. Uh, hmm. She's in high school. And she's looking at like all the things I can do and all the outcomes and how hard you need to work to do this thing and how much you get paid for this thing. And this is really fun. And and I think you just need to be able to wake up every day and not hate what you're doing. And you Mm -hmm. can't look at a clock at any point in your life and be like, oh, it's seven o'clock. I wish it was 10 o'clock. And then because you're just slowly just erasing your life. (laughs) So I think just to be happy is like, the most success and the biggest gift and the the best thing to strive for is just to find some perspective, write that song about whatever you're doing, like write the song in your head that is the perspective that you need, you know what I mean? To, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just not, not to, you know, sound too old, but, you know, just like wake up and be grateful. Mm, mm. Love that. So we're inspiration junkies, so we always like to ask this because it's we're inspired just by what people say. So who or what inspires you? Tom Waits inspires me. Mm-hmm. Mm. He inspires me to, to be an original voice in the world. Kanye West really inspires me. Hmm. Uh, if, you, if you really want to talk about like inspiring, I feel like he has a lot of really personal stuff in his music, mm. and, it, and you see the journey of his mental state mm-hmm. you know so yeah. I, I enjoy that i think it's it's deep and now it's at a point where uh it's deep whether he wants it to be or not <laughs> it used to be that he was trying to make deep records but now just because of everything that he's been through and mm-hmm. his life is so crazy uh now it's just deep because it's it's legendary you know but um right. yeah yeah I'm, I'm i love i mean i just I, I honestly just go back and forth between um watching movies and making music I don't even really, I listen to music on the way to the place where I make the music, but then I don't really listen to much music outside of that other than the stuff I'm working on. Well, when that's, Mm. when that's taking up the bulk of your time, I can see how that would be the case. Yeah. You know, it's almost like if you, if you record and you edit enough podcasts, you're going to listen to some, but it's not going to be nearly what you do. And the same with music. Sometimes you just, you just want a little quiet before you have to go do something. Yeah, I, could see I think that. That, that was a big part of the, I don't want to say the pandemic because the pandemic was like really tragic. I do yeah. talk about enjoying my time in quarantine. So like I want to put a big, you know, uh, difference between enjoying the pandemic and enjoying the quarantine. But the yeah. silence, the silence was very, very nice. I'm a, I'm a night owl anyway, just because I like it when it's quiet at night and, and I can think and there's not things buzzing and beeping and mm-hmm. cars and whatever. That's another reason yeah. why Maine's good. Yeah, for sure. And <laughs> Nothing I feel but like, crickets. I feel like I learned a lot through this podcast today. I feel like there's a lot of good nuggets of wisdom in there. And uh, 
Thank you. Thank you for uh, being on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And I'll be sure that to uh, put links to uh, places where folks can listen to uh, I've Been Here a While, as well as just social media handles and all that fun stuff to make mm-hmm. sure they can they can connect with you. And also, most importantly, listen to the, listen to the new EP because there's nothing quite like having a song about a midlife crisis that is that like hooky that I'm singing along to it going... <laughs> Should I really be singing along to this with a smile on my face? I guess I, I, I forgot. I had forgotten that Faith No More has a song called Midlife Crisis, but I don't think it's the same song at all. I I, I don't think it would be. Although I could I could maybe see some similarities because Faith No More wasn't shying away from being anthemic either. Right. Theirs, I is, mean, theirs is very heavy. Oh, okay. Well, then you're totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> I don't think there'll be any confusion whatsoever. Uh, but thank you, Dave, for taking yeah, time out and, and for so talking much. and sharing your story. We really appreciate it, and we wish you great success. Absolutely. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing uh, more albums yes. in this series. Absolutely. Thank you guys very much. Thank you.